Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of the Sneak Preview. I'm Connor Zagari. I'm Caleb Leger. And today we're discussing the first major release of 2022, Scream, the fifth installment of the hit slasher franchise. I'll also and, be discussing... Hmm? And the second highest grossing film of 2022. Yeah, we just read that on <laughs> Wikipedia. That this has been crowned the second highest grossing movie of 2022 in the fucking, what, second week of January? Nothing will top this. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. I don't know. Um, I'll also be discussing my thoughts on the tragedy of Macbeth, which was just released on Apple TV Plus this past Friday. Sure to be a fun episode. Slashers and Shakespeare. <laughs> um, but first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. We got three trailers to discuss. First up, the second trailer for Jackass Forever, which is now coming out on February 4th after being delayed from last October. Uh, Hopefully we do get this. Uh, As we've said a lot last year, this seems like the film we all kind of need right now, which is ridiculous like we just need to see johnny knoxville and his friends get their ass kicked by life for a couple hours so we can just kind of get lost in that their ass kicked willingly because they're willingly doing this for like 30 years now yes they're in their 50s now like how is how how is there not permanent damage at this point i don't know have you seen johnny knoxville on interviews he is very open about the injuries he's sustained I saw him on Hot Ones, and I was like, "He's he can't stop moving around." I think he's he fucked himself somewhere. Like, there's there's some brain damage. It no, might not yeah. be like serious, but he's got he's not right. Yeah, no, yeah, I saw that episode too. Yeah, I noticed he was moving around a lot. I mean, look, I the fact that he can still do this in his fifties is like legit impressive. Um, well. Like the fact that he would continue doing it after he fucking broke his dick—that is the end of anything that makes me do that. Like I'm never doing that again. He goes on to do it for like three more movies. <laughs> like, and look, that, that's one too. Apparently, when you talk about like they've done shit to their dicks, yet a good chunk of them are married with children. So I don't know what. Apparently, men's sperm is those. These guys are made of something else that other men aren't. Apparently. <laughs> Because Knoxville, I remember on that Hot Ones interview, he was talking about he takes it, like, taking his daughters to see uh, the third jackass at the premiere. And he was like, yeah, I had to cover their eyes because there's obviously stuff they probably don't want to see involving their dad. <laughs> the pr- just the, taking your kids to the premiere of Jackass 3. Like, this is your career. This is your life. This is, like, I, it's admirable that he's, they've created a, an entire profitable career of fucking themselves up that something we can all only aspire to you know who seems like oddly um right and he was also on hot ones twice i watched both of his interviews uh steve-o i'm surprised how like perfectly sane that man is not just because first off there's the stunts right there's the fact that he's done probably some of the more fucking dangerous stunts in jackass like oh goddamn there's also the fact that he is—he was known early in the career of the show and uh, the movies to have a horrendous like drug and alcohol problem. Yeah. So the fact that he's like also in his fifties and seems perfectly fine is 
just impressive. Yeah, I love it. I'm 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 excited to. I have not yet watched the Jack. I watched Jackass two a long time ago, but that's the only one I've seen. And I'm looking forward to watching these movies in preparation for the release. Uh, just because why the fuck not? Let's have fun. Yeah. Like, like, like I said, I know some people probably were like, what? like, Caleb, why are you so excited for this? Movie? It's look, man, it was a part of like something I watched when I was a kid. You know, I watched TV show reruns. I watched all the movies. And yeah, no, it's not high art. It is not fucking pig with Nicolas Cage. OK, I know this. It's just fun. And it's the simple fact that, like, when you watch it, right, you can see the the camaraderie, the friendship amongst these guys, and that really shines through throughout all three films. Like, this is a group of friends just having a good time, and it's infectious to me. So it's like, I'm watching that, and then I'm laughing my ass off at the shit they're doing, because it's fun. To me, it's fucking funny. Like, it's not like they're doing it against the real. Like, they're willingly doing a lot of this shit. And so it's like, it's just that feeling of, like, seeing friends just have fun and having a good time and like i said from the way it looks like with this new one they're very much making it to where like the guys who have been doing this since the beginning the the og gang if you will is hanging it up after this knoxville has stated already numerous times he's done after this movie um that's funny because i literally read an article today where knoxville said somebody said it was the last one no like no one said this was the last one i guess he's had a change of heart he's done but i think the idea was the newer guys are going to keep the franchise going Okay. Yeah. I think he said he wants to, like, in the future, you know, the the old guy's kind of taking a back seat, doing a couple things, but most of it being the new guy, yeah. which is smart because they are getting into their 50s and yeah. you don't bounce back when you're no. in your 50s. <laughs> and I think I think that's what he meant because I'm sure some people took his original comments like, oh, Jackass is ending. And look in the title. It's called Jackass Forever, guys. Like, no, it's like I said, the way this is feeling is that for the old guys with that we've been watching since day one when the show came out, you know, unfortunately, minus Ryan Dunn due to his passing and Van Montgomery, who really needs to get some help. Um, for them, they're calling it quits after this as far as their active involvement in these stunts. And so this is like their last hoorah together, which I'm down to see. And then, you know, hopefully this new gang's awesome and we fall in love with them and they can carry that torch and keep it going for either the people who've liked it since the beginning like myself and if not for a new generation you know so and you know for for regular people i think to just kind of unplug your brain for a cup for a couple hours and just watch these guys just do the do absolutely crazy shit and laugh with an audience it's gonna feel good it's gonna feel good to just leave reality for a little bit yeah it really is we need it we need a break Plus, I don't know if you guys do this. I've I've sat there a couple of times throughout the course series. I'm curious on when you do your watch of the three films. One, what you'll think of them. But two, like, if you do the same thing. But I've sat there since going, would I be willing to do that for that this much money? <laughs> like, I've had that debate. Like, they are paid is, a lot. Is it millions? Oh, yeah. Then yes. <laughs> yeah. And they have, like, I think they have, like, really, because obviously, especially now, not when they started with the TV show, but as it gained popularity, right? I think they have, like, really good, like, life insurance plans and, like, medical plans with the studio to make sure that they're taking care of anytime they have to go in there. I was wondering about that. Like, how does how their insurance work with the studio? Sure There's that- no way this thing is, like, a sure bet for, ins- like, insurance purposes. Like, they could die at any moment. I'm pretty sure they have a really good setup because of what they do. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's funny as hell. 
Uh, so yeah, Jackass Forever, February 4th. Yeah, can't wait. Please don't fucking move it again, Paramount. No pool, last minute Mobius on me. <laughs> um, second, the trailer for X, a new horror flick from A24 and Ty West. Uh, from the trailer, it looks like the film will deal with a porno crew taking up residence on a farm, and uh, shit gets weird really quickly. Comes out March 18th. Uh, this looks interesting. Um, A24 horror film. So I'm wondering, like, is this really a horror film? I look, okay. I can't speak on behalf of A24 here, but I've seen prior Thai Rest movies. And um, I do implore you, if you have time, obviously, to try to watch some, not all of it, but a couple of his films before this one comes out. Okay. Um, but he does, he does horror. I mean, he's done House of the Devil, he's done The Sacrament. The the innkeepers. I still need to watch the sacrament. That's the one I hear really fucking good things about. Yeah, I've heard yeah. That's his like his take on Joe's Town, if you will, lack of a better word there. Yeah. Um House of the Devils like takes place during the 70s satanic painting. So it's a very much like a Satanist type movie. It's really, really I really liked it. Innkeepers is a classic ghost story that I really enjoyed. So he's done horror quite a bit. He's well known. He was one. He he's even popped up as an actor in some stuff. He was in Your Next as uh, the snobby boyfriend that directed documentaries. <laughs> I think it was, what it was yeah, that that was Ty West. Um, so he, I like his track record. Him directing has me excited. It it looks like I know we were talking about that with something else. Oh, the Michelle Yao movie they're doing A24. Yeah. It looks like A24 is trying to finally like break the mold of what they usually do with their stuff. And I'm hoping that's true with this because if it's a Thai West film, I think it'll be fine because it looks like a fun film that's taking that 70s porno aesthetic. Because you're right, they're that's what it is. They're trying to shoot a porno where shit happens on that property. Yeah. In a nutshell, it looks like it's taking this like the 70s porn aesthetic, mix it with some like potential like Texas Chainsaw Massacre type shit and put it together and i'm all in for that i really am so and plus britney snow, snow is a porno star like yeah i'm in okay i'm in i'm in um so okay. I, yeah i really want this to be good it's most of my faith is with ty west and the hope that a24 is just you know actually changing up what they do i don't need them to change it up i just want them to quit lying about their films i would like if it's if it's not going to be a horror movie, don't fucking bill it as a horror movie. Give me a trailer for the, you know, odd drama that it is. And maybe I'll still I'll see it. But now I know what to expect. I'm just tired of getting the bait and switch. Yeah, you should be fine here because Tyrus has is so intrinsic, so tied to horror. Yeah, you're right. I, I doubt this isn't like he's he wouldn't from what I've seen in the past would not just put a trailer out. That's something completely different from what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll be talking about this in the near future for sure. Next up, this is such an odd movie. The trailer for Studio 666. Um, The Foo Fighters star as themselves as they take up residence in a haunted house to record a new album. Comes out February 25th. And it's just, why? Why now? Like the Foo Fighters, I mean, yeah, they're, you know, they're a great band. They're awesome live. I saw them a couple years ago. They're, Still cranking out great music, but like I feel like this should have come out in like 1998. <laughs> Probably, but I'll take it now because yeah. I'm all look. I some of my most favorite horror films are things like Deathgasm, where they mix like metal and horror and put it together. And I know technically like Three Fires are much more rock than they are metal. Like 
obviously. But I mean, you got one of the biggest, you know, you could say one of the biggest rock bands making a horror film. And yeah. I won't lie, that trailer looked good. At first, I, I went into this thing, and this is going to be so shit. It's, so you got musicians acting. I was like, no offense to Dave Grohl, but he's known to be a musician, not an actor. Um, but it looks genuinely like not bad. Like it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm kind of in. I'm down. I'm, I want to see what they got. Yeah, me too. I, I think it's going to be funny. I've always liked Dave Grohl. You know, he has a really good sense of humor. Uh, I think this is going to be interesting and yeah, just I, a good deal of fun. I like the part where he's like, guys, I got I got a good beat. Listen to it. <laughs> and, and I think it was the drummer. He's like, dude, that's ever long. He wrote it 25 years ago. <laughs> he's so defeated. <laughs> that's funny. So, yeah, I think this will be good. Um, so those are the trailers of this week. I love seeing trailers for new shit that I hadn't planned for on this show and then get to be like, oh, that looks neat. You know, the non-blockbusters, the little stuff that kind of, you know, sleep, uh, kind of slips through the cracks. It's be good. Yeah, well, it, it looks like this year compared to most. I know there was a lot, a lot of scare because the Omicron, Decepticon, Autobot, Transformer variant was, you know, spreading. And so they're scared, like, are they going to start switching stuff around again? Blah, blah, blah. And they, you know, knock on wood, it doesn't look like they are. So it looks like we're getting back to that group of, like, yeah, obviously there's stuff we know about in advance that we're looking forward to when those trailers drop. But we're yeah. starting to also see more of, like, those surprise trailers of things that we didn't know were coming out, which are always my personal favorite. Because I, I don't know, I'm looking forward to Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness, but I know a trailer's coming at some point because I'm known forever yeah. that film's coming out. Yeah. I didn't know X was coming out. I didn't know Ty West was working on a fucking horror films when i saw saw this trailer i was like oh shit okay same with studio 666 it's like okay i didn't i'm in like i i'm very much into these trailers that we get throughout the year of like yeah this is also coming out by the way we just didn't say anything yeah i was talking to um austin the other day and um i mentioned that uh it feels like we're in the rocky five stages of the pandemic where like it's still happening you know, people are still paying attention, but most people don't fucking care anymore. At least down here in Texas, people are just kind of like, fuck it, we've moved on. And that's not a healthy attitude, but it is, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like that here in Virginia. It's, I think it's just all of the states are just like, you know what? We're not now. We don't care anymore. As long as we're not, I think it's literally like, as long as things don't shut down, we don't care. You're vaccinated. You're boosted. You're doing you. You'll be fine. Like, it's the people who aren't doing that that are in danger now. And frankly, yeah. Yeah, at this point, all right. Yeah. I don't Granted, want to get political. But... I'm, I'm not boosted. Not because I'm against it. I just am still having the debate of waiting if the mil- till the military just goes on and makes us do it. Or if I just go ahead and do it. I, I've been having that debate for a couple, uh, for a hot minute now. I just went ahead and got it because I don't want to deal with any of this shit. I just want to be as safe as I can be. So when I do get it, and I'm going to get it, it's going to get everybody at some point. Uh, I can just have a mild cold for a week and a half and then be fine. Yeah. I might just like at the beginning of a weekend one time, maybe when, when there's not a big release coming out, go do it. I don't <laughs> know. I'll figure it out. Well, in the meantime, uh, John Watts, director of Marvel Spider-Man trilogy, is going to be producing the next Final Destination movie for HBO Max. Yeah, I was real excited to hear this because um, obviously he's definitely proven the man knows how to make a crowd-pleasing film with three history Spider-Man films. 
in my opinion. And um, I don't know. I know you weren't the biggest fan of the first film. I don't know if that one counts as part of your rewatch category or not. I'm, I'm not trying to give you shit. I just don't know if you're counting that as part of your when, thing. All right. When Final Destination 6 comes out and we bring it to this show, I will marathon the franchise from the beginning with fresh eyes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I know. Um, I'll see, you know, when this comes out, I'll see what you obviously think as you're watching them. Personally, I've been a big fan of the franchise. I've loved it since I was a kid. I think the only one I don't like is the fourth film, the NASCAR one. The Final Destination, that was quickly followed by a fifth film. So it wasn't the final one at all. Um, so I've been a big fan. I've been, I thought this franchise has had a consistent quality that just ended way too soon. So hearing from hearing that they were rebooting it, I think like last year, it's like no, nothing since then to finally saying like, Hey, we're doing it. It's coming on HBO max, John Rods. That's right. Spider-Man guy. He's producing it. Like it's, it's happening. I'm, I'm excited. Like, Mac HBO Max is quickly like just bringing a lot of films. I want to see horror rise between like this newfound destination and, and the upcoming Evil Dead. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know these guys who are now a list directors. It's it's cool to see them get to kind of put their spin on some classic stuff. So this this might be good. Yeah, and you know Devin Sauer is having his uh, resurgence in the horror genre. So I'm just saying. Well, this character's dead, but if we can find a creative way to bring him back, maybe play a different character completely, I'm down. Yeah. I mean, secret twin brother, you could probably sell that. He's he he can do it. He was literally <laughs> played a twin brother in the first season in Chucky. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Michael Sarnowski, director of Pig, is in talks to helm a spin-off of a quiet place. Uh cool. Um you know, if you listen to the Filmgasm podcast, you'll know my disdain for the first film. But if you listen to this podcast, you'll know that I really like the second one. So yeah, you're unwarranted disdain for the first film. But but this one, this new one, I really liked Pig. Sarnowski's a, a good filmmaker just from that movie. Um, so I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I I really like Pig too. Pig also, not Pig too, because there's no Pig too, but Pig also. Um, I'm interested. I'm like you. I'm intrigued. I'm not saying like I'm super excited just because I didn't watch Pig and think this guy should do a Quiet Place film. Because <laughs> Quiet Place films are not nearly as meditative as a uh, Pig is. But again, he's you know it, that was what I think Pig was his first film. Yeah, that was his first film. Okay, so yeah, that was his first film. So we don't know what he's really capable of. He could have some interesting tricks. I mean, look at Eggers. He went from The Witch to lighthouse i assume the northman like he's he's been able to play around a little bit so probably same with this guy but right now i'm intrigued um we'll see yeah we will see i think it's weird they're doing a spinoff and not just like a third movie i mean i don't know what the spinoff will cover but so it's so weird because i've been on blaze because they've been reporting it and you know they they're like they're in the casting where they're like this is weird but there's a spinoff and then Krasinski has talked about an idea for a third film to end the, like, the, I think it's Abbott's, or whatever their fucking name is in the Abbott's. movie. Yeah. yeah, the Abbott's. Like, in their trilogy. Like, it would be a trilogy closer for them. And so he's talked about doing, potentially coming back to direct a mainline third film that ends that storyline, then the spinoff would be something completely different to build up 
the Quiet Place universe. Is it too much? I feel like it's too much. I feel like it's too much. I would have been perfectly fine had Krasinski just done Quiet Place 3 and we left it at that. Yeah. Well, you know, money talks. Uh, Speaking of money talks, Gal Gadot has joined the cast of an upcoming remake of Alfred Hitchcock's 1955 thriller To Catch a Thief. The original film starred Cary Grant and Grace Kelly and revolves around a retired jewel thief who must prove his innocence after he is framed for a heist. It was nominated for three Oscars, winning one for Best Cinematography. So, big shoes to fill. I, I fucking hate when they remake Hitchcock. They rarely get it right. Yeah, um, I'm not familiar with that one. As my, I haven't seen that one. It's on my Hitchcock set I have. So, um, But I'm with you. Like I have yet to see a, a Hitchcock remake that's worked ever. Um, Honestly, the only one that didn't really piss me off was uh, 2020's remake of Rebecca, which I know a lot of people hated, but I thought it wasn't wasn't bad. I haven't seen it. I remember I heard about it, but because I haven't seen the original Rebecca, I was like, oh, stay yeah. away. I watched the original Rebecca when we did um, the Great Dictator on the Oscar on the Oscar Sunday podcast uh, as some additional prep, and it was a great movie. Really cool, kind of ethereal drama with a perfect like horror style ending i think you'd dig it probably look man it's not on the set here actually but one day i'm gonna go through that set I, we were talking before you know we recorded when i don't have a weekend while i'm bringing essentially work home to get done over my um longer weekends thanks to different holidays that pop up i will finally just sit there and be like all right i'm gonna go through my hitchcock set or hey let me go through this vincent price set i've had sitting on my shelf forever <laughs> like yeah it's tough stockpiling. It's tough. It's, it's tough to find time, but um, yeah, there's certain, I haven't seen to catch a thief either, but I have heard of it and I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Gal Gadot, but I just, I just don't think this is going to work out. I wonder who's going to end up directing this thing and whether this is going to be just one of those, like, you know, they're going to sell it to Netflix. It'll be promoted for a week and then no one will ever see it again. I don't know. Um, Denzel Washington is returning to star in the Equalizer 3 from returning director Anton Fuqua. So they're going to do a trilogy. And I uh, hear about this all week. What the fuck? Yep. Denzel said was he was doing an interview um, about Macbeth and they asked him, so what do you got coming up? And he's like, well, uh, like I just saw like they just got me for the Equalizer 3. So we're doing that. Like I was, you know, in Mac- I was Macbeth and now I'm beating people up again. He seemed kind of sad about it. <laughs> But yeah, Equalizer. I the first Equalizer was fucking fantastic. I didn't care for the second one, so it's a coin toss here. I haven't even watched the second one because I didn't care enough to watch it. I was like, I don't need like I like the first one. Don't get me wrong, but I remember watching it going, "This was really good. I don't need a sequel." And then they did a sequel, and I just went, "I don't need this." Like, weirdly though, there is a. I think there's a TV show. The Equalizer reboot as a TV show with Queen Latifah. So I'm wondering, like, is this going to confuse people? Because studios don't like to do that. I didn't even know there was a TV show. How fucking successful was the Equalizer? Jesus Christ. This is well, it's a remake of an old TV show from the 80s starring uh, Edward Woodward from The Wicker Man. So this is a, it's a legacy thing. So people have always liked The Equalizer. Yeah, but I'm just saying, I didn't think the first, like, one with Denzel Washington was that successful enough to, like, warrant a two or three and then a Queen Latifah storing show. 
It's pretty good. <laughs> kind of forgettable. Uh, but, you know, all these, you know, 50, 60-year-old former, like, you know, actors known for drama, former drama actors becoming action stars, like, all these kinds of films are kind of the same fucking movie. You know, everything Liam Neeson's done since 2008, The Equalizer, like, it's all kind of the same shtick. Uh, I was about to say, you can thank Liam Neeson and the humongous success of Taken for that one. There's a new, I saw at, at Scream, there was a trailer for another one. Did you get that trailer? Probably. Uh, we kind of came in late. Josh uh, was dragging feet. <laughs> I know he's going to listen to this. I want him to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got there super early and they didn't show a newbie. So I was like, thank Christ, I don't have to watch that dumb shit. But there was a new trailer for, I decided to leave it out because I don't want to, I didn't want to dig into it because we're not going to do it on the show. It was Liam Neeson and Aiden Quinn, who's looking rough. It's called Bright Black Black Light, maybe. I don't remember. I may have seen it online one day. This time he's like ex FBI or NSA or something who's divorced again with a kid and a grandkid. What the fuck? Why is he always playing an ex agent who's divorced? How is it these these stars just keep getting the same script? Well, he also said, like, I'm not doing action movies anymore, like, three years ago. And in that time, we've gotten, like, five more. I, I just, like, make up your mind, Liam. He's, he's not consistent with what he uh, tells people. Apparently not. <laughs> um, next up, some tragic news. Uh, beloved comedian Bob Saget has passed away suddenly at 65 years old from a suspected heart attack. Saget was one of the stars of the sitcom Full House and its sequel series Fuller House. He also hosted 193 episodes of the variety show America's Funniest Home Videos and had numerous stand-up specials and a Comedy Central roast. He was a beloved comedian. People fucking love Bob Saget. And he's gone. And it just feels like 2022 keeps ripping away like iconic people. And we're only two weeks in. What the fuck? I... Yeah. We're losing icons, and I don't like it. Yeah, and this one was like, I remember when you texted me that I was watching something, so I didn't, wasn't paying attention to my phone at first. And then I looked, and I was like, no fucking way. And it's just like, this, this one kind of hurts. And like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying like when Sydney Poitier and Betty Ryan them passed away, it didn't hurt. But at the same time, like they were in their 90s, so like it was a little bit easier to accept. Like they were very much like old, like but Bob Saget was only 65. He, like you said, he had literally done a show that night and yeah. seemed to be in good spirits. And then all of a sudden dead, like just out of nowhere. And, you know, I remember like Josh talking about like the fear was like, please tell me it's not like maybe was he secretly relapsed? Maybe was it suicide? Like, you know, something like that. No, it was heart attack, a fucking heart attack. Goddamn. Yeah. What a, you know, the silent killer. It's a damn shame. Uh, we're going to miss Bob Saget. I've been watching clips from his roast and his stand-up, and, like, I, I never really appreciated how fucking hilarious this guy was. Well, it's just, I think that's what, I think why everybody loved him so much, because he, you know, he was, and everyone said on the articles, right, like, he was America's dad, because he played such a, like, a wholesome character on shows like Full House and whatnot. We were like, oh, this guy's really nice and wholesome. And then you turn around and watch his stand-up, it is raunchy 
Like, holy, like, I look, I watched all Cena, but holy fuck, Bob Saget. (laughs) One of my favorite bits was from the roast when he got to speak and he says, it is said that a man is judged by his friends. I'm fucked. (laughs) It's great. Perfect. He just looked over like, (laughs) good stuff. Good stuff. Damn it, Bob. We're going to miss you. Oh, yeah. Comedy legend gone way too soon. I can't. You know what? Honestly, the only thought in my head is like, who is who's fucking next? <laughs> I, I'm, I I hate this. Shit. I feel like we're playing like a global game of Russian roulette right now. I don't like this. You know what? You know what happened when I heard after I got over my sadness, I couldn't get the full health theme song out of my head for like days. <laughs> it just kept playing in my head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn. So. We're going to end here with the Golden Globe winners, which were announced on the sly, considering there was no ceremony, no televised show, and no fucks given. Uh, just the Hollywood Foreign Press Association still thinks that people give a shit what they have to say, and they they held their own Golden Globes, and they announced winners, and nobody gave a shit. So here are the winners of the Golden Globes for 2022. Best motion picture drama went to The Power of the Dog. Fuck that. I don't understand this adoration for this movie. I watched most of it. I thought it was boring. I thought it was miscast, and I gave up. And I feel like this might actually have a chance at winning Best Picture this year, which is fucking mind-blowing. So apparently you're on an island on your feelings on that movie. I am. I am on an island. Maybe I need to watch it again. Uh. Best director, Jane Campion, The Power of the Dog. <laughs> Best actress drama, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos. Neat. She was good. She was really good. Uh, best motion picture, musical or comedy, West Side Story. What a shock. Um, <laughs> best, motion, best actress, motion picture, musical or comedy, Rachel Ziegler, West Side Story. Uh, Best Supporting Actor, Cody Smith-McPhee, The Power of the Dog. And I, <laughs> Best Actor, Drama, Will Smith, King Richard. Interesting. Could this be the year where Will Smith takes home the Oscar? Probably not. But still, <laughs> I know you don't care, but <laughs> I, I care. <laughs> Fearless. Uh, best Original Score, Hans Zimmer, Dune. Interesting. Uh, best original song, No Time to Die by Billie Eilish. So cool. Hopefully it's a hat trick. The Bond theme will take the Oscar this year. That would be nice. Three in a row. Um, best actor. Yep. I know. I'm alone here. Just let me have my moment. <laughs> best actor, musical or comedy, Andrew Garfield, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, also well-deserved. And then the rest of it is TV. No, wait. Best screenplay, motion picture, Kenneth Branagh, Belfast. Good. Anything and then, in TV I would care about? Hmm? Anything in t- TV I would care about? Probably not either. Um, one of the dudes from Squid Game won Best Supporting Actor. I haven't seen Squid Games. All right. You watch Succession, Ted Lasso? Nope. No, nope. Looks like I'm even out of the TV loop. Yep. Uh all right, there's a couple more here. Um, best not, best foreign film, Drive My Car from Japan. Best animated movie, Encanto. 
and best actress, uh, best supporting actress, Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. So the big winners are West Side Story and The Power of the Dog. So this is going to, I still have no fucking clue what the Oscars are going to look like based off this, especially since now this doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) Okay. Any questions? Nope. I heard, uh, Bloody disgusting reporter. Apparently, Candyman got put up for consideration for an Oscar nomination. Yeah, so did Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool. They're not just pursuing like visual effects, like the usual fare. Tom Holland is in consideration for Best Actor. The film's in consideration for Best Picture. Like it could happen. <laughs> they got ten slots to fill. Yeah, I mean they're not going to win because again. Oscars and how they feel about that kind of genre is as we've heard from some filmmakers that want to make their opinion known how they feel about the MCU film, films in general. Ugh, yeah, but just a nomination would be cool. Um, Candyman, I don't see maybe I production they, design. Well, they submitted it for the song. Okay. It was like a music uh, submission. Maybe. So, could happen you know there's a there's always a lot of dark horse candidates stuff you didn't think would get nominated and sometimes even wins so yeah it wasn't anything like best picture it was like i think it was like a song or music type of thing okay yeah. i hope it's not best song because that is like billy eilish is taking that home for no time to die yeah i i think bond songs been almost consistently just the past three years that's the like other than that never won once which is kind of weird Hmm. Only nominated a handful of times. Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only, and Live and Let Die. That's that's it prior to the Craig era. Huh. I know, hard to believe. Every single one of those movies has an original song. <laughs> I'm shocked. I always thought I was like, when I'm trying, you know, like when Disney comes out with a movie and it seems to always get animated feature consistently, I thought it was anything on James Bond song. Yeah. Some Bond movies have won, like, you know, sound editing or stuff like that, but the song never got a win till Skyfall. Uh, yeah, the more you know. Now, the tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, another heavy contender for the Oscars. Uh, Joel Cohen acting alone. Ethan, nowhere to be seen. I don't know what this means. I hope it doesn't. And I'm not fearing the worst. I'm sure they just needed a break. Um. Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand star as Macbeth and his super crazy wife, Lady Macbeth. Uh, pretty much the same, you know, taken from the Shakespeare script, very little cut, about an hour 40. Uh, and it's so incredibly acted. I mean, Jesus Christ, they are so good. Denzel especially plays unhinged towards the end of the story very well. Um Brendan Gleeson is King Duncan. Harry Melling is Malcolm. Uh, there's a lot of great character actors in this, and the cinematography is fucking fantastic. I mean, good God, that's going to win. Uh, and score, potentially, too. The music is beautiful. It's a very good watch. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. I know a lot of people don't like Shakespeare movies. That's fine. But if you like the Coen brothers, if you like Denzel Washington, Francis McDormand, I think you'll get something out of this. Uh, Eight out of ten. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Okay. Look, you didn't want me to give you grief, so I 
I don't know what more you want from me. I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a, it's a well-casted film. I'm sure it was just the Coens wanted to do something on their own. I doubt there's any bad blood. It's not my thing because I do not like Shakespeare. Nor have I liked any of the Shakespeare adaptations that have come out. The only one I've enjoyed was by Troma, called Tromeo and Juliet. You ever see The Lion King? Yeah, I've seen Lion King. It's Hamlet. No, it's not. Yeah, The Lion King is, is, is Hamlet. Nope. nope. <laughs> Lion King 2 is Romeo and Juliet. Nope. <laughs> Lion King is a Disney film. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, it's Hamlet. No. Yeah, Uncle kills Dad. Prince is exiled, returns to reclaim the throne with his two weird buddies. It's fucking Hamlet. It's not Hamlet. That's just <laughs> old-fashioned storytelling by Disney. Yeah, as old-fashioned as it gets. Fucking Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, we predate Shakespeare. Oh, what? All right. Scream. Let's get into the meat of today. Um, the highest gross, second highest grossing film of 2022. <laughs> Nothing will top this. None of the MCU films, none of the DCU films, nothing. You know the other big horror hitters that are coming out. Can you imagine if the rest of this year nothing even comes close to Scream's $13 million? (laughs) That's what's crazy, too. They're reporting it now on a four-day weekend for a lot of people. So a lot of the numbers won't be reflected till like Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I don't understand. Uh, And yeah, it's like you know, this isn't the only big, like, we still have, like, a Hellraiser film coming out. We still got Chainsaw Massacre next month, which I'm still kind of fucking trepidatious about. You know, we got another Predator film. Like, we got a lot of heavy hitters coming out in the horror genre alone this year, not counting, like, you know, other fucking big movies. Yeah. So it's like, calm down. I'm glad it's doing great. Like, for a lot of reasons we'll discuss, I'm glad it's doing great. But it's only in January, folks. Let's, let's calm down. Yeah, it's weird to go straight there. It's the first film that came out this year. Let's fucking chill. And it is good. Scream is very good. It's the first one um, done without Wes Craven as he passed in 2015. Uh, This film is very much in his memory, which was nice. There's a character in the film named Wes who dies and they do like a memoriam to him. And I was like, yeah, that's good. Yeah, I I turned it up a little bit. I won't lie. When I saw the four Wes at the end, I I turned it up a little bit. Um, Kevin Williamson didn't write it either, but I guess he, uh, he helped out, like gave them notes or something. Yeah. He, uh, he helped, he gave, yeah, he gave them some notes and they did, they referred to him when it came to like characters and how a screen film should be. So he, he very much acted as like the, the go-to person when the, to getting the tone and everything right about screen film. So no, yeah, you're right. He did not write it. Just provide input what he can. Um, whenever they needed it. And I think they did show him like a rough cut of the film. So he was like one of the earliest people to see the film and give his his approval. Good. Very good. Matt Bettinelli, Open and Tyler Gillette are the two guys who directed this thing. They're the guys behind Ready or Not uh, from 2018, which was so good. Yeah, I really loved it. They also, I don't know if you have it in there, the the segment in VHS, the first one, 103198. One of the haunted house on Halloween, hands are coming out of the wall and shit. Yeah, yeah. We did that segment. <laughs> it's crazy how many people from that from those first two movies like went on to do like very mainstream shit. That's that's cool. 
Yeah, it's almost like because of the really good quality. And Ty Rest did one of the segments on VHS also. Um, it's interesting that you had these guys who had really good shorts and the best VHS films of the franchise are now doing really good shit past it. It's like they have talent that people saw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so the Scream franchise has survived the collapse of the Weinstein Company after the sexual uh, abuse allegations, uh, the death of Wes Craven, COVID. Not, hmm? The not-too-great reception of Scream 4 that was meant to be like a new trilogy. Yep. The shitty MTV show, uh, the COVID pandemic, and this, I love that they bring it up in the movie, but this wave of elevated horror, quote-unquote, uh, which I love that they lambast that in the film. Yeah, it, well, and to me, this one works so well because out of all the and look, I still would put it behind screen one and two because I just really love those first two films a lot. But it feels the most like the original in terms of how they are approaching the meta commentary with the horror. It's the most perfectly like balanced, I think, since the first film. And yeah, I like how they were taking like how Scream did at the time it came out. You know, a lot of people were like, well, it's, it's dated now. Well, no shit. But when it was talking about that stuff, that was what was hot at the time. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing here. They're tackling, tackling everything that's present at the time. This elevated horror bullshit that people want to talk about. Thanks in large part to your favorite company, A24. I like <laughs> a lot of what they produce. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I'm just saying they are a big reason for that fucking term. They are a humongous reason for that term. They are. Um, if it makes you feel any better. None of these elevated horror movies are getting any sort of Oscar praise. So it's, they're oh, yeah, still not breaking through. <laughs> It makes me happy to know that, like, you're, and, well, it makes me happy on the ones that, the, the filmmakers that are seriously approach it like that, but the ones that are just making films and the fans call it that, yeah. care less. Um, but yeah, it tackles that, it tackles the, what they call it, requels, which I think is a nice little name. I really did like that scene, you know, but Halloween 2018 did very recently, so I like that they tackled that, and I just will get into it. Um, I loved how they tackled f- toxic fandom, which to me has only gotten worse in with social media and internet. Now I'm not going to be one of those guys that's like shits on like Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I think those are actually, I think they're great. I really do for what they're meant to be. I just think people that use them are shitty. I don't blame the platform. I blame the fucking people that are on the goddamn platform. Well, any, you know, anything can be used for evil, for harassment. It's, it's how about the people behind them? I agree with that. Um, but like we use Facebook, Instagram, Twitter for the show, you know, for our own personal lives, but we're not going after, you know, actors and writers and directors for quote unquote ruining like something that we grew up with. That's fucking crazy. We can hate the movie and, you know, voice our opinion, but we're not going to go after people. Yeah. Like, look, I know I've voiced my, like, for example, this is a recent one being present, right? I've very much voiced my opinion on this whole raid remake that's come out. Am I going to sit there and attack Michael Bay or Patrick Hughes or any of these people, Gareth Evans, any of these people attached to the movie on social media? No, no, I'm not. Cause that's just fucking stupid. I can have my opinion. I can voice my opinion. I can have my feelings and voice them by all means. I'm not going to attack these people on social media. Cause one, they're just going to do it either way. Like who gives a shit what I think I'm not getting paid to make this fucking movie Two, It's just like rude. Like it's rude. I don't know what you were saying. Like it, what are you accomplishing besides being a complete dick and asshole online? Like, yeah, you have such a good ideal. You would be movie making, but you're not. Plus, you know, the way I see it, 
we've got a place to bitch about the raid remake now you know with beyond the bad we that's our place to go and really be toxic for a little bit in a enclosed safe space what i'll say but again it's just us bitching to each other we're not yeah. you know we're not I mean? gonna like, like call you know try to like get michael bay like you know to, uh, what's the term dox him or any of that shit yeah, and that and that's why I'm that's why I'm saying like I'm glad the film tackled that because I do think that that has become a problem, especially seeing things like the release of Snyder Cut. And ever since that happened, again, I am not trying to shit on Snyder getting his fucking version of the film out there. But ever since that happened, people won't stop. Like now, it's make the Amazing Spider-Man three as if somehow now all of a sudden people love Andrew Garfield instead of like you should have loved him when those films first came out. And you would have had your fucking third film, but you didn't. That's on you. Fuck off. Like, <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man One is not terrible. It's it's okay. Amazing Spider-Man Two is pretty bad. No, that one's bad. I I can sit through one, but I don't really like two. Um, too long. It's bloated. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not saying anything. It's Andrew Garfield. I'm just saying like it. It bugs me that they want the fans are like, oh yeah, they should make it. Oh yeah, we love Andrew Garfield. Then why didn't you watch his fucking two movies? Then you would have had your third. Like that's what I'm talking about. That's why this talks to the fandom just gets on my fucking nerves. Because it's it's a bunch of idiots online that think they have power. Not just that, but like they never make any sense. They constantly contradict themselves, and they never they're never satisfied. No matter no. what it goes down, they're always. I can't stand them. And Zack Snyder's got the worst ones. They oh, really his fan base are a bunch of fucking assholes and i have i don't have a dog in the race so I, I don't, I, would you say the worst in the star wars ones because i think star wars has some pretty bad fucking toxic fans in that one i right. really and i i'm saying this as someone who does like star wars so don't think i'm coming after star wars but some of that fandom holy fuck i mean the whole kelly marine Tran thing alone snyder's all right snyder's fan base is annoying the star wars fan base is dangerous they 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 go out of their way to ruin people's lives, which is ridiculous. I mean, let's be honest here. There's about four good Star Wars movies. Let's, there's it's a good story. They're great movies. I grew up with them. I I have no loyalty to anything when it comes to film. A movie is a movie, regardless of how long you've, it's been a part of your life or how you got it. It's just a movie. So don't chain yourself to it and become obsessed. It's dangerous and it's fucked up. I see it the same t- uh, in the uh, Rick and Morty fan base. It's the same crazy asshole. Yeah, it. I just it. And you know what's interesting to me? So like this film comes out right mm-hmm. earlier in the week. This band was too falling in reverse. They came out with a song called Zombified, which was attacking cancel culture. So it's. I think it's interesting that like. That song on this movie, and I'm not saying they collaborate. Obviously, it was just timing. But both these things coming out, one tackling cancel culture, which I'm also not the biggest fan of because I think it leads to a lot of toxic fandom. And then, or it's a lot of toxic fandom. It it makes sense in my head, but whatever. Um, But then this film tackles toxic fandom. So I almost get the feeling that you're kind of seeing, to an extent, people, some people in the industry fighting back, like pushing back, saying, shut the fuck up. Just because we have these platforms doesn't mean you need to keep coming after people and you need to keep trying to change movies or, you know, in the case of cancel culture, this person said something 10 years ago, but they're clearly not that anymore and they clearly aren't 
showing anything that they said and that they just were a fucking idiot when they said that and they've said that already. But you want to cancel them for no goddamn reason. Like, it's almost like you can kind of see certain people in the industry fight pushing back, like saying, fuck off, leave us alone. Yeah, and who are you? Who, like, what makes you so special? Are you, you know, holier than thou, flawless human being? Who's never, who's got like nothing they're ashamed of, no skeletons in your closet. You're, you've been the same moral high ground asshole your whole life. Shut the yeah, fuck right. up. Yeah, you're, you're telling me you've always been woke for, you know, the, the term that we like to use now and, you know, PC. No, you haven't. You've said yeah. things that are not okay now. We all you, have. You throw in the first stone, JC? Huh? <laughs> like, no, it's, it's annoying. And I, I hate that. I hate those people. It's, it's people like this that make me almost like ashamed to tell people I'm a Star Wars fan, to tell people I like, you know, Rick and Morty, to tell people I like comic book movies and this stuff. Cause automatically, like sometimes you get thrown into that group and they look at you differently. And I've had that happen to me and it's fucking embarrassing. It, and well, it's interesting. Cause like on that end, I don't mind some people when I'm like a, a horror fan or like a heavy metal fan. Right, because I don't. To me, there's not as much toxic fan. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm sure for them, the tackle and scream means it's happening in some franchises for sure. Um, But I don't see it as often in the horror community or the heavy metal community as much. But at the same time, like I'm kind of like you. I don't always put it out there that I am. Not because I get looked at because of toxic fandom thing. Just because the whole getting looked down on. Like, how can you like that type of thing? But yeah, that's usually why I get the looks. If it's people that just don't get it, usually older around people around my age don't really give a shit, especially because I, I have it out there. I mean, if I if it's not cold, <laughs> I have a whole tattoo sleeve for Christ's sakes. Um, but yeah, it I like I said, I'm just glad this film tackled it to an extent. Like I said, that band like kind of just song on cancel coach because like, yeah, fuck yeah, if I can start saying something because this is getting ridiculous. To me, it's just getting ridiculous with the fans with a lot with certain things and a lot of stuff. Yeah, I wish that, you know, we got to push back on these crazy people a little bit more and just call them assholes and tell them to fuck off. We got to start doing that. Like, not everybody's opinion matters. We got to go back to that. Yeah. We got to start shaming people again. God damn it. I'm not saying don't stop progress at the same time. Like, so let's not swing it all the way back that way. No, you can let's do both. You can be progressive and still tell the, you know, the asshole to go away. You can do both. And I don't think a lot of people realize you can do both. No. Well, like I said, you hear those stories about like I was saying with Kelly Marine Tran, and that that doesn't help because god damn did I feel bad when I heard about what happened to her and well, fucking I mean, looking back at Phantom Menace. I mean, Jake Lloyd ended up in a mental hospital because of the constant harassment by Star Wars fans. Ahmed Best, the guy who played Jar Jar Binks, was like he almost killed himself. I mean, what the fuck, man? These are movies. It's it's a job. Yeah. Like, they have to get paid too. It's yeah, I, I'll never understand that reaction to something. Like I hated that so much. The guys involved need to die. Yeah, I don't I don't get that. Like I, look, I don't like George Rubrinks at all. I think he is a terrible character. I know some people have been saying he comes off racist. I'm not going to comment and go what down ra- that rabbit hole. What race is that? Show me the Gungans in real life that he's making fun of. I, I never bought into that either. Yeah. I know I'm not I'm not going I don't want to go down that rabbit hole in case it causes a new firestone, but um I gotta fuck all the lose. I'll go there. All right. But um yeah, I 
I I hate Jar Jar Brings for a lot of reasons. I would never go after that actor. I would never go after fucking George Lucas for it. I just go, yeah, that character sucks, and I move on. I move the fuck on. Move on. That's the you're best talking, advice. Yeah, look, you're talking to guy those horror films. I have how, you've seen my collection. I have how many fucking horror franchises in my collection? Not a single one I own is a perfect fucking set of movies. There's always one I don't like. Guess what? I move the fuck on. I what? watch it. I don't like it, and I move on. There's franchises I grew up with that I love that I was so excited to see, like Spider-Man 3, X-Men Dark Phoenix, like these things that I loved and was like crushed when I ended up, you know, they ended up sucking. I was like, that that hurts. This is terrible. Oh, well, that's it. That's the end of it. There's no next step. Like, I have to stop this movie or these people need to be punished. It's just, that sucked. And then, yeah, it, you know, you think about it every once in a while but you move on like, you know, I'm not going to go after the game of Thrones assholes. Cause I didn't like the ending. Yeah. Like I don't ever see him in public. I might be like, nice shot asshole or something like that. But that's right. about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go after them. And then like when Peter Dinklage said his comment, I mean, I got pissed, pissed at because I thought that was pretty shitty for him to say. That was a dick move. I'm not gonna go, yeah. I was like, I'm not going to go after him. Like, okay. He can say what he wants. It just means that I can think you're an asshole. And then yeah. I'll move on. Mm-hmm. That's it's, that's it. And sorry, but especially like with like going back to these like franchises, right? Installments. You know what you what a lot of people feel is that yeah, that might be a hated one by the fans. Like you might really hate that one. Someone in the fandom likes that one. I am personally not a fan of Jason Goes to Hell. Right? I it's my least favorite. And I've I've listened to uh, the director and his struggles with that film. And um, and you know I definitely. It makes me appreciate the film a little bit more. I still, I'm not going to say I like it, but I also know that there are people that fucking love that one, that love that installment. So guess what? Like, what fight are you fucking fighting? Like, what war are you fighting if you don't like something you want to text people? Because they do have people that do like these films because film, wait for it, is subjective. Art of all kinds is subjective. What I like, someone else might hate. What they hate, I might adore. It's all about what you get out of it. And that that goes for every film ever made, every painting ever painted, every book ever written. Every video game ever created, every fucking song made. Like, Yeah. If you don't like it, just move on because someone else probably does anyway. Yeah. Not everything in the world is tailor-made for you. Remember that. You're not the center of the fucking universe. I think more people need to know that. More people need to be told that. Believe it or not, when they make films, they're not thinking first and foremost about the fans, especially if it's been a long-running franchise, like Scream, that we'll be talking about more once we get off this tangent. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. When they're making the new sequel, they're looking at how do we continue what the characters established? How do we bring them forward? How do we move these people forward? What do we need to do to bring this character back? Like They're thinking about things like that. Hey, what do we need to include that people like from the last film that's a part of this franchise? That's the shit they're thinking about, not... Hey, so uh, this fan really wants this. I think we should put it in. Like, no. They're worrying about yeah. 20 million other things with that script and to bring that story forward and progress it further with a new installment. Yeah, there's no way in hell you're ever going to please everybody. If you include this character and someone would be like, well, why wasn't this guy the killer? That made more sense. And then you got to cater to that guy. And then someone else is like, well, what about this? Why isn't this in the movie? Then you cater to that guy. And by the time you're done trying to please everybody, you've got a piece of shit film that makes no sense. We've seen that happen. 
It's yeah. yeah. Like, cause like, look, we're, again, someone we were talking about before recording how we thought, how kind of wanted that fan theory to be true about Stu uh, coming back, you know, Matthew Lillard coming back and being the killer. Yeah. And then I personally, because I, I really like turning screen four, I really want Hayden Pants here to come back. Spoiler alert, people, neither one are back. Did I sit there and like go, oh, why didn't you even get her? No, I just went, eh, all right, well, maybe they'll pop up again or maybe I'll just enjoy them in the one film they were in. And I'm okay with either outcome. Yeah, you know why? Because we're normal, adjusted human beings who realize that this is not, you know, the end all be all. This is a hobby. <laughs> yeah, it's good to have that. It's good to be self aware. Otherwise, God, would this be a disaster? God, I can't. I don't know how I can be one of those fans that just like. I hate this. I have to get online and I have to attack them right now. I, I don't understand that mindset at all. I don't get it. I was watching How much there was, you have in your day. <laughs> that yeah, no, yeah. I was watching uh there was a Saturday Night Live sketch in the 90s where I think uh, William Shatner was hosting and they did a Star Trek convention uh sketch where he went up there and was like, it's just a TV show, folks. Like get a life. <laughs> he just went after the Star Trek fans. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like I had, you know what? I had time today. I did. I had time today. I spent watching two documentaries. One was an hour and a half about evil dead fans. Good fans, not toxic fandom. That one was a three hour documentary on folk horror. So look, I did have time, but I didn't get online attack people. I just watched it. I wanted to watch. I was on Shutter. Yeah, it's all right. We should probably get to scream. <laughs> um, so uh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette all returned for this film, uh, signifying to me that this was probably going to be pretty good, considering they didn't want to do it without Wes Craven. But then they read the script for this, and they're like, "All right, we're in." Yeah, so. they were. Like, I know that when they announced the directors, that was my first, like, interest, I would say. Yeah. Because of how much I enjoyed Ready or Not before that. Um, so I was like, okay, if anyone can do this, I have faith in these guys. Because to me, Ready or Not was a fun film with really good humor, good gore. Like, everything I wanted in a screen film was in Ready or Not. So yeah. I, like, I, yeah. I was like, I think they can pull this off. When that was announced, that's when I started to get excited. Because, um, like you said, and I had read that, yeah, they won't go and do it. They would never do one if Wes wasn't there. So when he died, I was like, well, that's it. They'll never come back. But they agreed to this. Go, which made me go, something is special with the script. They saw something in the script that worked. And seeing the final products, I absolutely agree with them. Yeah. Also, yeah. Um, Marley Shelton returned as Deputy Hicks in Scream 4. Wanted to, didn't want to leave her out. Yeah, she was actually, uh, I liked, at first I was like, why is she returning? But then I was like, I really liked her in this. I did. I I forgot actually how much I finally got to around rewatching Scream 4 today. I kind of did it backwards because I wasn't meaning to see Scream so early as I did, but I did anyway. Um, so I was watching and I was like, I actually forgot how much I like this character. And seeing her pop up in this, I was like, yeah, I'm I'm happy to see you back too, Judy. It's good to see you. <laughs> Glad your limits for is going to make it though. Ah. <laughs> um, so the film starts with um, Tara. Just hanging out at home, which you should never like. Home being home alone in Woodsboro is a terrible fucking idea. 
Um, don't live in Woodsboro. Like people just need to move. I don't go to Hollywood. It's been approved. So don't go to those two places. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and she answers, um, she's texting her friend Amber and she answers the phone and it's this guy's like, Hey, is your mom there? And it's a cordial call at first. Then he starts asking about scary movies and you're like, fuck. And oh, yeah. And yeah. I love how they, they do, you know, what they've kind of been doing with the the sequels because obviously we know the voice so it's at first you you're like who that's not Ghostface because it's it sounds like a regular dude but then you start hearing the way he's talking the Ghostface voice I was probably like it's fucking Ghostface and the moment Roger uh, Jackson's voice came in I got so fucking pumped I was like there he is it's fucking Ghostface (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love how they start talking about elevated horror and how she's kind of a snob who doesn't like you know bloody gory horror film she likes to she likes to think she likes to have an experience I, right there i'm like i hope he gets her <laughs> right there I'm like your likability went out the window right there what i love is that they have her say it but the because i mentioned you know she's kind of like a she's been rising i've been seeing a lot of horror related projects mm-hmm. she's been stuff like the babysitter sequel so she's like, they have her making that comment but she's been in no elevated horror so it's like the whatever you want to call below that for you fucking horror snobs out there. <laughs> I don't know, basement horror or some shit. Horror, <laughs> I feel like what they call it behind my back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and eventually Ghostface reveals himself and is like, "Hey, the fact that they even have a fucking landline in 2022 is amazing." <laughs> it is, but actually, I can speak from personal experience. It's totally believable because uh, my parents on their particular kick have talked about getting a landline again Shit. it took my it took us forever to convince my grandparents to drop the landline because <laughs> they were like well what if we need it i'm like when would you need it when would you ever need it nobody calls us except for telemarketers on the landline we all call your cell phones <laughs> we had a big like come on but yeah some people have it i get it yeah, like I said, I, I tried convincing them otherwise. And yeah, I don't want to get into it too much while we're recording, but yeah, yeah. You, you know, I've, I've told you about it, but yeah. That's um, well, yeah. So this guy is like, I love the, the text thing when it's like, you should answer it. And he did like, she's like, how did you know it was ringing? It's like, this is an Amber. I, I really like, you know, to me, I, I personally, and you know, with technology, it's always going to date your film eventually, obviously. But I do generally love how, like, with each successful film, Ghostface adapts, and you see his use of, like, how he's using technology to get to these people, and I loved it here. But, yeah, like, the, hey, you should answer that. This is a name, or he kept unlocking the fucking doors, like, doing it, and I was like, I, I just love it. And um, so, yeah, and it has that, I, I'm, one of the things to me with this film, and it's because of his use of technology, along with some other characteristics, is why to me Ghostface stays so fucking terrifying. It's because he adapts to the damn. He adapts to the times. Yes. Well, it's all. It, it's not just you know like they pointed out later in the movie like this franchise doesn't have a Jason, doesn't have a Freddy. It's different people picking up the mantle in like to in in honor of some weird you know celebratory venge, vengeance kick. It's weird. Everyone, yeah. every generation has a go of someone who's willing to put on the mask. Yeah, which is why, like, you can have Ghostface be more uh, adept with technology and have him always uh, be more on it than other villains because it's it's a who done it. It's someone in the cast that's 
Ghostface. So it's someone that's very privy to technology to begin with. Yeah. And this first kill, I mean, it's not a kill because she makes it out, but this first attack is brutal. I mean, Christ, when he stepped on her ankle and just broke her ankle, stabs her through the fucking hand, and then just keeps getting her in the back. <laughs> I, dude, I'm gonna say, like, this goes for, and look, I know, like, some people are like, well, it's not, because a lot of the earlier reviewers talking about how brutal this film was, and a lot of people are like, it's not that brutal. I was like, no, it's not the most graphic fucking horror film I've seen. I've seen way worse, but you know where I've seen. So, yeah. um, but with that, like, first scream, this is still brutal. Like, the, like, you, this ghost face to me, I'm gonna say again, like, I won't say a lot, but he's so fucking terrifying compared to previous ones because there's like a rage in this one that you don't see in the prior ones. Like, the way, the amount of stabbing, the way they actually, like, even that hand stab, the way, like, they hold on to that fucking thing with the camera, which they usually don't do in scream. Like, you don't see it for that long. It's not that quick. It's quick. They hold on to it. They're making you watch her. And yeah, it just, it, it to me, it makes for a very like brutal and ter- terrifying ghost face. Cause you're right. This, this fight scene, holy fuck. But to her credit, I like not just her, but a lot of people in this film fight back. I know they've always done it, but in this one, particular, they are really fucking like fighting back. Like, cause when she does that, that hand thing wasn't like ghost face just stabbed her there. She's protecting her face. Cause she's, she's getting ready to stab. You see her hand fucking shoot up and go right through her hand and she's using that to not get like stabbed so it's like i like how this fight was uh portrayed in the beginning well the people in this universe like this is the fifth attack like they they know what to expect they're not i mean they're they're afraid of Ghostface, but he's he's manageable almost like they can they can fend them fend him off uh and also, it's just funny to see, like, you never see Jason just get, like, slapped into a wall and fall over. Like, but Ghostface always gets, like, knocked over somehow, and it always makes me laugh. Oh, it does. It's just because it's just a human moment. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I will say, I, with that, I love the fucking, the hero shots we keep getting at Ghostface. Like, when she is on the floor, and he's getting ready to, like, break her leg, and you see that shot of him just staying on the camera, and he flips the knife. The horror fan of me got like the hugest like nerd boner in that moment. Just, just like, oh my god, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's it's badass. Like they they clearly understood the significance of this character in horror history and how excited people were to see him again. Like, boom. I mean, to take like you mentioned, like he's super scary in this one. That is, it's tough because you know with the the Halloween costumes and the scary movie parody. It's hard to take that image seriously anymore. But God damn, I don't know what they did. The guy they got to play Ghostface is like eight feet tall. That was a big one. <laughs> and just the like, it's almost like he was, I don't know, making up for lost time or something. Because the kills are all, like you linger on him. It's never just one slice and now they're gone or one stab. He pins them down and just goes at them. <laughs> like it's a fucking, like... I don't know, like it's a fish. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, because even this opening like attack, man, like she gets away with an inch for her life. It's like you said, he steps the fuck out of her a bunch. And then like there's the hand one where she protects herself. She kicks him and he breaks her fucking like stomps on the foot, which to stomp on a foot that hard, god damn. Like there's yeah. there's rage in that person. <laughs> so like yeah, it's it. And yeah, you're right. Like, they, I mean, this is the fifth film. We know who Ghostface is, especially those of us like, you know, us who have seen all these films and thanks to Scary Mary and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it, it, he, 
you know, this should just be another fucking stream movie, but the the way they filmed him in this and how he was portrayed, just it they did a good job making him terrifying, which is again whenever someone tries to say like, you know, these these horror characters that have masks like Ghostface and uh Michael and Jason, anyone can play them. No, fuck you. I know mm-hmm. I said on the Halloween kills, no, they can't. Yeah. It, like it, it's all about the actor because the actors will tell you some of the best acting is not what you're saying, it's that silence, what you're doing without saying something. Yeah. So for them to be able to like it's on Halloween kills with um James Shoot Courtney and now with this, like how they're able to portray just rage and terror without saying a fucking word is unbelievable. Yeah, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Um, this ain't no, you know, this isn't Roman Bridger. This is this is a real monster. I just I can't get over that Scream 3 reveal where he's like, he takes off the mask and he's like, it's me, Roman Bridger, director. Like he's reminding the audience and like everyone, like, remember me? Like, this is my name. Because he made no impact on that film whatsoever. You've seen me bitch about stab three a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) I love the constant, you know, the eight stab movies and like how in the new one, like Ghostface is like super ripped with a metal mask and a flamethrower. I was dying when they showed him watching what Step 8 looks like. I'm like, oh my god. I love the Yeah, you're right. After Step 5, it really goes off the rails. <laughs> yeah, that was cute. That was cute. <coughs> I did not expect... I, I didn't look at the cast list, so I had no clue Jack Quaid was in this. Yeah, like, probably, I would argue of the new cast, not kind of the legacy characters. Uh, Newcastle, probably the biggest name, mainly thanks to the boys, which, by the way, June 3rd, they finally fucking announced. I know, I know. God, yes, I cannot (laughs) wait. But, uh, yeah, he's, like, probably of the Newcastle, the biggest name, like, and we'll get to it, you know, as we're going through the different, you know, the plot here, but he really surprised me. I'll leave it at that. He really fucking surprised me. Yeah, well, I love the whole time he's just like, we gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. (laughs) One, two, three, no fucking way. My, my favorite moment of his was when he's like, they're trying to clear out the party. He's like, I tried to be nice. Get the fuck out. Yeah. He's like, save your life. Save your life. Save your life. <laughs> Come and save your life. Just <laughs> telling people to get out. That was great. He, he, he's really good with humor. And I, I know like a lot of what he was bringing in the throughout the film was definitely like reminiscent of his character in The Boys. Mm-hmm. But it worked. It totally worked. It was making me laugh. Yeah, me too. Um, so Sam Carpenter is our new Sydney, so to speak. Um, played by uh, Melissa Barrera. And she was good. Uh, her and her, bro- her sister Tara are the new targets. This new ghost face is going after anyone related to the previous, the, uh, the first round of victims. Yes. Including... Oh, sorry, go on. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, what you're probably wondering, folks, how is she related? You know, Grant, if you're listening to this, you've probably seen the phone, so you know anyway, but nonetheless. We've done, like on this show, we have done Spider-Man No Way Home. We've done, you know, Shang-Chi. We've done big stuff week of. So you should know at this point, we spoil the whole damn thing. So that's, it's on, it's on you. It's on y'all. Uh <laughs> What I already forgot her name. Um, Sam is the daughter of Billy Loomis. Holy shit. Which 
I'm, I'm to, for me, I was actually at first like, okay, that works because, and I'm glad I went through my marathon before I saw this because there's that quick moment in Scream that I almost forgot about where at the video store, Billy's there talking to two chicks and they make the quick throwaway line of like, oh yeah, real ladies man, isn't he? And Randy's like, I don't know why she's convicted uh, killer or something like that, but it's like quickly thrown out there that he may not have always been faithful to Sydney because she wasn't, you know, for lack of a better term, I don't know what they're using now, but when I went to school, it was for putting out. Not to be degrading here, but that's just what people said when I was in school. Um, well, also, because, you know, Billy was only dating Sydney so he could ruin her life and kill her for what her mom yes, did to his family. So. Yes, obviously the twist. I'm just saying, like, it was very heavily implied, quickly implied in that one scene that he wasn't always the most faithful of boyfriends. So it would make sense with that one quick line dialogue that using that as a three line to say like, Oh yeah, he totally fucked someone. They got pregnant. I love that. The like, you know, how, how did you know that? Like, there's a closely guarded family secret later on. They're like, your mom's a hoe and a drunk. Like that was it. <laughs> that was the whole explanation. I was like, all right, that, that checks out. Um, and I thought it was so neat that they got um, Skeet Ulrich to come back and do a cameo. Yeah, well, and uh, Skeet Orch and Matthew Lou do uh, cons together now a lot for screen. They've been hitting the concert. They do it together, yeah. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's awesome that the two killers are like, let's just do it together because that's what fans want. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. And um, they both have been more than open about saying, like, if they can figure it out, we're more than willing to come back for a new screen film. Like, they've been very, like, open about that, which really makes that one fan theory just, I wish I had come true more than now knowing that Matthew Lillard is super down to come back the whole movie I'm like he, he's going after legacy characters and their relation like their their relatives Billy's ghost is haunting this movie like come on he's keeping Sam alive who happens to be the daughter of Billy so like oh the climax takes place in his fucking house <laughs> which that part was crazy it I actually did not click on that at first I was watching that I remember thinking going this looks familiar. Like I, I was in theory going, this looks, why does this look familiar? Like I didn't. And then when they, when they, when they figured out and they, um, I know we're jumping ahead guys. Sorry. But when they figured out and they're like, Oh, they're at Stu's house. I went, Oh, that's why. <laughs> yeah. We're going to jump around a, a lot. Um, so Sam goes back into, into Woodsboro. She has a rocky relationship with her uh, sister and then uh, her boyfriend. Uh, Richie, Richie, sorry. New movie, still learning names. Uh, Richie goes with her, like, insists, like, I'm coming with you because, you know, I love you, baby. Yeah, that's why. Um, and what, <laughs> uh, one of my favorite kills was the drifter guy. Oh, who, yeah. I will say played by uh, Kyle Gardner, who's been in a lot of horror stuff. So I was actually really excited when I heard he was in the movie and that he was playing this type of character. Just to kind of quickly get taken care of. But this part's cool, so go on. Well, I, I kept waiting for the red right hand. Like, I was wondering, like, when's the song coming out? And then the way they used that was so fucking great. <laughs> yeah, me, me and uh, Josh had that same moment when, like, uh, you know, he's getting killed and they start playing the song. And we were like, oh, we were both in there like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, nice. And then when he turned it off, I was like, oh, man. But then when, like, Ghostface attacks and they just actually play it, as far as the soundtrack, I was like, there you go. <laughs> ah, awesome. Um, so, duh, 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 duh. 
Uh, Richie claims he's never seen Stab. And uh, I love him watching it at the hospital on Netflix. I, they're all watching Stab while this is happening. I thought that was kind of fucked up. <laughs> it was, but I like how, you know, because the film obviously, like, Stab's become such a big part of this franchise because of its own, like, universe within the universe. I like how they were showing the different movies. I think at one point they even used, like, Dawson's Creek characters, whatever, show Dawson's Creek that was, like, a, a parody of Scream, which is the show that Kevin Williamson wrote so it's like the the amount of like fucking matter that they went for this is truly outstanding yeah it's impressive my favorite bit was the the requel speech by uh randy's uh niece and nephew yeah which i'm not gonna lie at first because again i know my marathon i was like how the fuck does he have a niece and nephew and then i was like oh shit his sister that popped up in three and i love i love when she pops in and dude is just staring at her uh Heather or whatever her name was. She goes, oh, Dewey. He's like, you look great. She, like, you look. <laughs> Stares at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was great. I love when they're talking and somebody says to Dewey, like, you're probably the killer because you've got like, you know, after losing your job and your wife and getting stabbed constantly, you just snapped. And he's like, well, maybe you're the killer because that cut deep. <laughs> <laughs> his delivery of that was so great because that cut deep and he just sits <laughs> well yeah that whole bit learning that they were you know they're related to randy it was nice to, to have that and they've they embraced this their you know legacy as the, the rule the rule book guys yeah, and I like how it was very 2022 in a way. Like, it was, because I know, like, I, I guess apparently, like, people are calling problematic issues with Randy. I don't fucking see it. But either way, it's nice to have a modern take of the character, right? Scream um, came out in 1996, for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, I know. I'm just telling <laughs> you what I see online, okay? But... I, I, I like the modern take on the character and I, I really liked her. Like I remember I told Charles I was like, I really like this character. I really hope if they make more, if this is something they can make more that she comes back because I, I really just fell in love with her. She was fucking fantastic. But her explanation of recall. I loved the we're jumping around again. When she's watching Stab and Randy in Stab is watching Halloween. Ghostface is coming up behind him. She's telling Randy to get out of the way while Ghostface is coming behind her. It was like the movie was eating itself. Yes, but I love, I love how they fucking get you. And she goes, "Oh shit!" And she turns around, and right now I'm like, "You fucking go!" Because I was in theater, like, "Turn around, turn, no, not again." Oh boy. Oh my god! And I love how she kept testing people. <laughs> The whole basement beer thing. Yeah. Why are you down here? You want to go get beer? You told me to. And that's where you felt. You could have asked me to go with you. I love when Richie does ask her and she's like, no. Like, <laughs> no. Just goes down anyway. Well, I like when she's like, no, but thanks for asking. You pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so... <clears throat> I was going to say, speaking of Dewey, I don't know how close we are, but do we want to talk about how much I love David Arquette in this installment? We don't have to go in order. Highlights, highlights. Okay. So I, 
I really, I, I want to like talk about the legacy characters. I thought first off, all three were great to see again. Yeah. I really, I, I've always liked the Dewey character, and I, I know you like to make your jokes about him getting like stabbed, but I do like how the film itself does make that constant reference, like you've been stabbed nine times. Yeah, I love how the film's even in on it. Like, yeah, we know, guys, we know, we'll, you know, we'll have some fun with it. But I really, David Arquette, I think more than any of the sequels, and after, after having marathon all of them, really brings it to me, at least in this film. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And my only beef with Dewey is the the disappearing nerve damage between Scream 2 and 3. That's well, that's what bugs that, me the most. Okay, you're putting that on Dewey, even though that's a script writing thing. That's not a Dewey problem. The character is the character. It is what it is. And I hate his fawning after Gale, who's such a terrible person. Like, yeah, he can again, do better. Like, I think what I like is that Dewey is a really good guy that just wants to save people. Yeah, that's true. But also, how many times are you going to escape the serial killer? Like, that close. How many times? Four, exactly. <laughs> well, he didn't actually watching four, he didn't get stabbed at all in four. Well, I'm just saying he made it out. Okay, I was about to say, he didn't get stabbed at all in four, and actually, he didn't even get that fucked up in three. It was really just the first two movies. That's true, but he got stabbed a fuck ton in both those movies. Yeah. More so too. I think I think in Scream One he got stabbed like maybe once or twice, <laughs> and then in Scream Two he got fucking like brutalized, but somehow survived. Well, but again, that's that's the script, not the character. I want to take your problems on the right thing, sir. Oh my god. Well, in Scream Five, I got my wish. Uh, he got fucked up for good, and I didn't. I, I I was kind of expecting one of them to go. I I figured we were going to get rid of a legacy character. I figured Nev Campbell was the safest. Just I was, yeah. It would be like to me, it wouldn't be true to her character. Like, it makes sense to have her like live and just eventually leave the franchise. Yeah. But I, I was like, it's either going to be Gail or Dewey. We're going to lose one of these two people. I was certain, like, as the movie progressed, I was like, it, I was really thinking it was going to be Gail. I mean, Courtney Cox feels like the kind of actress who would want to move on, who would want to, you know, have her character end like in a ceremonial way. And then Dewey would get the kill in the end. That's what I thought was going to happen. But they flipped the they flipped the script, and Dewey goes out saving lives like he yeah flipped. like he always wanted to. Before we quick quick side note, um, when he does decide to actually help them, I loved just like we talked about that other song. I loved how they played his fucking theme song when he shows up at the house. The yeah. moment I heard it, I was like, yes, yes. I even Josh was like, the sheriff's back in town. I was like, <laughs> God damn right, he is. I did love Richie's little, like, just because this guy's shower doesn't mean he should carry a gun. <laughs> was, Richie's just, yeah, the whole time he's he's just kind of bad-mouthing everybody. Yeah. What do you call uh, him? Like, uh, like what, shitty Sam Elliott or something like that? Yeah, he did. <laughs> Which is funny because I'm watching 1883 that has Sam Elliott in it. He's really fucking good in that show. But, uh, um... Actually, like, so in general, like, let, let's just talk to me. I want to talk about this whole scene of like the Dewey that scene because the whole scene in before that is just one of my standout scenes in the movie. Okay. And again, harkens back to why I think this ghost face is so fucking terrifying. But when he goes after Tara in the wheelchair, first off, Al with the hand and having to move a wheelchair, holy fuck, that just yeah. like pain. When I was, oh, I can't imagine trying to do that after you've been stabbed in your fucking hand. Um, but something about that scene when she is like reeling her fucking way to freedom as hard as she can and Ghostface is just strolling, leisurely walking 
behind her. You see him for the first time in the franchise turn the fucking voice modulator on. I thought that was a nifty little touch. Yeah, that was cool. I never assumed it was in the mask. No, I, I really, it probably wasn't at first, but I'm sure as time has gone on technology. Yeah. But uh, I like, yeah, I like seeing that. And I love how he gets on the phone and is like taunting them as he's just walking and doesn't even count for us. Bruce just fucking launches her off the damn chair. So she's crawling and he's just still walking behind her. It, like I said, it, something about how they filmed that to me again, just really reinforced how terrifying this ghost face was like, He's taking his time. He's playing. He's playing with his victims more than he has in any of their films. Yeah, I thought that was great. In that scene, you know, Richie shows up and he gets gashed, and you're like, "Oh, so he's obviously not the killer," even though we've we've fallen for that so many times. Yeah, they're really uh, good at making us fall for that. <laughs> and I love that Sam isn't. You know, she reveals like maybe I'm stalling for time, and Dewey blows him away. That was great. Yeah. He was not expecting that. No, yeah. Well, when I told Josh, like, what I what I like what how they've done with the Dewey character is that he, to me, is very reflective of a of a Western archetype in film. He's the sheriff that comes to town, takes care of business, as we see throughout the series, right? And then in this film, he's playing what we see in a lot of like the spaghetti Western types, where or even like later Clint Eastwood films, where he's the retired sheriff, he's down in the bottle, he's past his prime, but he gets pulled back in for one last mission. And as we've already said. Like in those films, they don't always make it out alive. They usually die on that last mission. And to me, they really followed that here. Because, so, yeah, he comes in, and I, I had a moment where I wanted to cheer when he just fucking shot the shit out of Ghostface with his gun. I was like, fuck yeah, Dewey. And I even like his line when they're fighting. And he's like, not today, because he's getting ready to get stabbed again. He's like, yep, nope, no, uh And fucking just blows Ghostface away. Like, yeah, fucking awesome awesome moment yeah and i his you know his final words you know he's like somebody like if he you got to get him in the head or else they're gonna get up and richie's like who gives a fuck and he's like i do like well what like way to kind of sum up the character that that was good Yeah. yeah that like i said david arquette to me like he really brought it more than ever in this one yeah like in that moment right there because he could have gotten there, he would have lived. He would have gotten away, worried about it later. But he couldn't do it. He's that good of a person. He wants to, again, he wants to save people. He's like, no, I got to make sure this is done. And yeah. he goes back. And sure enough, Gil calls at the wrong fucking time. And Ghostface pops up and says, no, today is the day where the fuck the quick line was. And stabs the fucking shit out from the front. And yeah. then takes another knife and stabs him in the back. And like disembowels him, like rips it up his body and then gives oh. him the uh, it's an honor line from the trailer. I like how they did that. I like, again, that scene, that's that's good at marketing where you switch your line. So then you think, oh, okay, because it makes sense, right? Oh, Sydney, it's an honor. Final goal. No, that line was actually for Dewey because he fucking dies. And yeah, like I said, and this one I'm talking about in the brutal, right? When people are like, eh, it's not, I'm like, his death to me was brutal. Like the sound effects, the way you're seeing that shot when they zoom out and you see him fucking the knives go up in his body as the ghost face is just fucking pulling those things up to really kill him. And then, yeah, he says, ah, oh, Dewey, it's an honor and just fucking pulls the knives out. Oh, God, my heart, my heart sank. I like, look, like, oh, like, I know I get it. He's been stabbed. We love that joke. 
but as someone who really liked this character, I I was sad. I was I was really really sad. I was like, fuck, I really like this character, but god damn it, I love the way they did it. I really I love that he went out true to his character. Yeah, and it was, you know it was nice for Gail and Sydney to share a moment in his honor because they've been through it so much. Yeah. Oh, seeing Gail like when she recognizes who's in that body bag and like I'll give Cohen Cox credit seeing her like break down like that like yeah there's a guy that fucking loved you and now he is dead saving your fucking lives mm-hmm. or at least attempting to the 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 kill that surprised me the most was Judy uh that I, was I wasn't I, I love how often Ghostface operates in broad fucking daylight in this movie. It just... Yeah, yeah that, that was another really good scene to me. Like, because the, again, and this is why I like this filmmaking team so much. They fucking play with you here big time. When, like, he's calling and he's like, oh, he's in the shower and lets him know, like, yeah, I'm in your, essentially, like, I'm in your house. Your son's showering. You better fucking hurry up and get here. And she's rushing and you think, oh, shit, he's going to die in the shower. Oh, he says a psycho line. Yeah. You ever yeah. see Psycho? <laughs> yeah, and I remember like the whole audience went, "Oh shit!" Or a good chunk of the audience went, "Oh shit!" You know, there's a lot of young people that I'm sure just haven't seen Psycho. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking, "Oh fuck, we're gonna get a shower death." And you know, yeah, she rushes over there, and I was in. I was like, "I, I, this got me." I jumped because I thought when she was running up the stairs, I'm thinking, "Okay, she's gonna be there just in time, or he's gonna be dead. Something's gonna happen." And Ghostface just fucking pops out the goddamn bushes. And again, Brutal stabs her relentlessly. Like, Jesus, fuck. Yeah. Also, I was thinking the Woodsboro Sheriff's Department's response time is fucking terrible. (laughs) She called them, like, as she was driving to the house. So it was the rest of the drive, plus Ghostface stabbing her, plus uh, Wes finishing his shower and setting the table, and then Ghostface killing him before any cops showed up. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude. In Scream 4, when I was watching, finishing that up today, there's the part where, do, like, you know, Sydney calls Dewey and says, hey, he's at he's at uh, Kirby's house, Hank Pantier's house, and he sends all units over there. They don't get there until after Sydney finds out who the killers are, after they do their master plan, and all the shit gets done just in time for the cops to finally show up. Like their response time was bro was terrible. Yeah, you'd think in this town they would like work on that. <laughs> right? They'd be like, oh shit, Ghostface, we gotta get there ASAP. This um, but with that said, again, talking about how they play with you in this scene, and you talk about when you're making up the table, I loved how they kept fucking with you on when Ghostface was going to pop up. Oh my god! I kept laughing at that. Just every time a door would open, the music would start to surge, and then nothing would happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> three <yeah>. times. <laughs> yeah, and to the credit, it wasn't like stupid. It was legit funny. I remember even like the audience I had was we were laughing because it was like, okay, you're getting us, haha. Like, and then when he finally fucking pops up behind him, yeah, it it worked. I jumped. I was like, fuck, because I was like, you've done it to me like three or four times. I'm fucking lulled now. And God, that again, dude, that death, when you see the fucking knife like go in and out his neck. Oof. Oh. Impressive. <laughs> um, yeah. So where do we want to go next? 
Let's see. I'm trying to think if anything popped up between that moment and the Porte. I'm trying to remember if there's any more deaths, which I don't think there were any more. There's Chad at the party who gets lured outside. I love that he turns his girlfriend down because he's like, I don't know if you're the killer. She's like, fuck you. I love, I love how like Chad was portrayed as like the, the more like cool jock type of um the twins that he probably wasn't in on like the stuff like she was. But in that moment, you realize, oh no, he is. He's, he's about that stuff too, just not as much. You see how she's like, clearly like she's you see her like gyrating a little bit on him she's like come on I, like let's do this i want to now and he's just like you sure about that he goes right here there's a lot of people we're safe up there we're alone and he all but says like you might be the killer like i don't know well i love that she storms off and he's like that is a perfectly reasonable reaction to have yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's he, that really, yeah, he cracked me up with that. That was funny. You know what? From once, I'm look as someone who's all about like, no, you you follow your dick, sir, and you go get that. That's a moment where I went, no, you did the right thing, man. You did right thing. Now you're what you did after, not so right. You fucked up there, but you started out right. I'll give you credit. Yeah, the whole phone tracking thing was smart, but also like, why would you ever do that in this situation? I know, but again, it gave you, showing you how adept Ghostface is because of how Ghostface is as a killer with technology. That was, to me, another really good scene when Ghostface is using it to fucking get him. And God damn, look, I'll say this, because I know we're going to, you know, this is spoiler territory already. The fact that he survived his attack, I'm beyond impressed. Like, God damn, like, he got fucked up. Like, that that fucking... I'm glad it was in the thigh he got stabbed first. For a minute, I thought like the poor man got his like got stabbed in the dick. I couldn't quite tell with the camera angle. I was like, oh god, oh no. I highly doubt he'd be able to run away from Ghostface if he got stabbed in the dick. This is true, but for a minute, just the way it looked like, oh god, he's gonna bleed out. No, but no, just the thigh. And he got fucking fucked up before the car lights finally came on. Yeah. Um, so around this time. Amber reveals that she is, in fact, the killer, or one of them, and shoots. I don't remember who she shoots. The red-haired girl. The Chad's girl? Yeah, Chad's girl. She shoots Chad's girl. Because remember, Chad's girl comes back and with the weird fucking eye makeup that looked like she had her eyes open the whole time. That (laughs) that just freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. No offense to, like, ladies' makeup products, but that one freaked me out. yeah. Okay. So she yeah, gets yeah, she comes back and she like is freaking out and like says the really mean comment to uh, his sister. I remember she said like a mean comment and then the sister had like a really funny comeback. Oh yeah, she's like, Are you scared of me? No, but I'm kind of getting scared now. Like <laughs> also look, speaking of uh getting some and uh his sister, good well done move on that one chick on the couch when she's like we'll hook up with Francis over there and watch this movie. I was like, God damn girl. You're just fucking calling it. And the best part is when she looked at her and made the move, that chick was totally into it. I was like, you go. I don't know what fucking moves you have going on there, but goddamn, good job. Level of confidence. We can only aspire to like, yeah, well done. I was happy for her. Like, you, you go girl. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, so Amber kills live live. Was it live? I think the name was Liv. I actually have it pulled up. 
live. Uh, and reveals that she and Richie are working together because they believe these stab films have gotten too, uh, have forgotten the true meaning of this franchise and they're here to re- reboot it in real time. Uh, they're the toxic, crazy ass fans who took matters into their own hands. Yes. And this is where, when I said uh, Jack Crate surprised me, this is what I'm talking about. Because, um, like I said, you know, like obviously he got his very big break from the boys. And I thought for the most part, like, like I said, I was laughing. I did like him in this movie and his comments, but he was essentially playing like his boys' character again. Um, yeah. I did. I, I really liked him when he flipped it to evil and psychotic. I thought he was actually like really good. And I was like, okay, this guy has some range on him. Okay. Like yeah. I, I, I really liked his psychotic turn. Well, it was a little bit like really the boyfriend again, but then as I started explaining it, I'm like, Oh, okay. That makes sense. That's yeah, he was the one clearly in charge. And I can kind of tell, cause like, I, I liked what well, yeah, it was Amber, right? That was the, uh, yeah. Amber. Yeah. I liked her, but I didn't really believe her psychotic turn. Like I didn't feel like it was as good as Jack Quaid's psychotic turn. Well, she uh, just naturally feels psychotic. And I think that's uh, owed mostly to her big break, which was once upon a time in Hollywood where she plays one of the um, Manson murderers who gets torched by uh, Rick Dalton. And then (laughs) in this movie, the same exact fucking thing happens to her. I couldn't believe that. I'm like, she gets torched again. Yeah. What? And she really, I guess is uh, getting caught on fire. It's a weird thing. I mean, you got to make your money somehow. <laughs> I did. I <laughs> I really like that fight scene though between her and Sydney and Gil. Yeah, it was really good. It was good seeing like the the Lexi characters like so like fuck this, we're fine. And I loved. Uh, that Gil got the shot. That's like she's like you do it. So he's like, no, you got that. You got this. Like, because that that's right. Amber admitted to killing, being the one who killed Dewey. So yeah, she gave gives it to Gil. Gil's just like, fuck you, and shoots her, and then uh, gets her on the stove magically, where she gets lit on fire. Amber's got some impressive upper body strength. She was able to pick like pick Dewey up with knives. I know. You know he could have easily done that. Not yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That would have made like right there. I'm like, well, of course he wants Dewey dead. Like, th- why? W- why else would he, you know, go so personal on that kill? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, ah. <laughs> it's an honor. Like, yeah, I killed your sister, and now I killed you. Oh, well, you know, there's still scream six. <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, she has uh, a cool death, and then uh, it's pretty much like a showdown with Richie and everyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, who got the kill for that was it Sydney or they Samantha? Gave to, they gave it to Samantha because remember the reason they even got out of their predicament was because they hear a terror moving around. Sam reveals, "Oh yeah, I untied." Yeah, because family is forever. Yeah. No, that's right. Tara, I ter- so Sam gets Richie, and then Tara actually gets uh, Amber's kill because Amber comes running out and then gets shot, and it's Tara holding the gun. <laughs> I still prefer the Baba Duke. <laughs> I like that punchline. <laughs> I was hoping for Sydney to say like, "What's a Baba Duke?" To Gail, 
or something like that. I thought that would have been fun. Oh yeah, like they're just like really showing that they're kind of out of the loop on that one now. Well, she said she doesn't watch scary movies, understandably. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, and then you know, Richie and Amber are dead, and the media covers it again, which means someone's gonna emulate this shit, and Gail's gonna write a book about Dewey. I I, I like that. I really like that last touch they did for Dewey, yeah. and the way she says it, like it's gonna be about a guy who goes into town and says, I was like, fucking, you're right. You're goddamn right it is. You write that book about Dewey. Because he's a goddamn hero. <laughs> and then um, the film ends with a very touching uh, for Wes, which is good. I, I, I like that. And then it ends with some like 90s shitty rock song, which I was like, that's, that's perfect. Yep. And it even did the quick uh, ghost face, like uh, jump scare second thing that they did in the prior films. That they didn't scream one when the mask quickly popped up and then the credits. Oh yeah. Jump scare. They even did that. Quick little jump scare and then yeah, the, the rock music. Sweet. I think this was a good way to start a new year of films. Uh, I give this an eight. Thought it was really good. Uh how about you? I give it an eight as well. I really, really like this film. Um, if I'm gonna do my ranking, one, two, five, four, three. Okay. It's it's really up there. I really like the new cast a lot. I like the capacity that the legacy characters came in and that it ended in a way that if they don't they cannot bring Sydney and Gil back and it would be just fine. Like yeah. it's done in a way that obviously, you know, Dewey's is very much done. His story's done, but even their story is done in a way. Like they don't have to come back anymore. We can follow this new group going forward, or at least these two sisters going forward definitely um so I, I liked how that was done and like i said i just i think since the original this is the perfect marriage if you will I like better word of the meta commentary and the horror um i think that was put off real road girl's face again has never been more terrifying the kills no they're not the most brutal thing out there but for fucking scream they're goddamn brutal and yeah eight out of ten for me i would rank one five two three four God, people really, you really shit on four. I don't like four. I don't like four. Let it go. I don't like four. No, I will not be the only one that likes four. Four is not that bad. I really like Scream Five or Scream, I guess is the one to call. I love that little joke in there. Like, why was it just called Stab? It's Stab Five. Just fucking say it. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I think this one is the second best Scream movie. This is great. Yeah, they they fucking knocked a lot of park and. You know, I was talking about it, but I'm fine either way with how this goes. If this is it, like, it doesn't do well enough, they don't touch it again for another how many goddamn years, and this is it, I'm totally cool with that. If this is successful enough, and I actually, I genuinely hope it is, and they do enough to say, let's do a new, let's do a sequel, let's start following this character and, you know, go forward, I'm also down with it. Because I think the smartest thing they can do at this point is and they did it here this is really the first one to do it is not have it be tied to sydney have someone continue taking that ghost face mantle but it doesn't need to be tied to sydney scream six i would have matthew lillard be in it but not the killer and have it be kind of a hannibal lecter thing where he's in prison and they go to talk to him to figure out how to stop this new ghost face fun fact yeah and one of the many prior traps that probably would have been better for scream three than what we got 
Matthew Lillard was, Lillard was going to come back. Stu was going to re- reveal to have been alive. He was going to be in show, and he was orchestrating a, a scream like Ghostface Killings while on show with younger members doing it. The high schoolers doing it. The reason they didn't go through with it, and even though that was like a script they were getting ready to shoot, Columbine happened. I think didn't we talk about that on the Scream Three filmgasm? Did we? Did all these podcasts bleed together? Because we do so many. I think that was my filmgasm facts. I remember. Yeah, I think we talked about that. Well, either way, it's being brought back up now. So still a fun fact. Could, yeah, we could have had it. Which also tells me that they have considered bringing Matthew Lillard back in the goddamn past. <laughs> it's but gonna hey, happen. Yeah, but hey, I do like the fact that they were able to use this as a chance to take down toxic fandom, so I'll take it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you liked this episode. If you like the show, you can always follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Filmgasm Productions. You can email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. Check out the website, filmgasm.com, where we got all, all sorts of cool shit. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can always click on support this podcast on your podcast provider. We appreciate anything you guys want to throw to us. Um, nothing comes out next week. So we're still brainstorming what we're going to be doing here on the sneak preview. Uh, don't want to set anything in stone. We're going to kind of play it by ear. Uh, tune in next week to find out what it's going to be. Um, don't miss Michael Mann's thriller Thief on Wednesday's Filmgasm. The 1995 disaster Showgirls on Fridays Beyond the Bad, and Francois Truffaut's 1973 Oscar-winning drama Day for Night on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week, everybody, and keep watching movies.